Welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. And I am thankful that you have joined our program for today. We are continuing our study that we began. Uh, I actually looked back a little bit and we began it about a, maybe a month and a half to two months ago. I uh, had two or three weeks in there that we were not able to um to have a program uh due to technical difficulties or me just not being able to do it uh so we've we've uh, gone about this lesson for quite some time but we are in lesson seven of the book that we are following why i am a member of the church of christ and in particularly i am a member of the church of christ because it is scriptural in organization we talked about the, the structure of the church, the autonomy of the church, uh, the leadership of the church in particular is the elders of a congregation. And we are looking right now at the qualifications of elders, of the leaders of the church. And as I look at, at my outline, I, I don't expect us to finish our lesson today, uh, but maybe next week, next week-ish. Uh, maybe we'll be able to finish it then. Uh, next week, I do plan to be out of town. Uh, there is a possibility that I could, from where I am, do the program, uh, unless we're involved in something. So we'll we'll see how next week plays out. Um, but, but we'll go about our lesson today, and if we need to finish it in a couple of weeks, we will. Before we get into our lesson for today, as we always do, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the blessings that you've given to us, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together, for the ability that we have to study your word together. And we pray, Father, that you would bless our studies, that you would bless our understanding of your word, help us to apply this knowledge to our service, and help us to be better Christians. Help us to be strong. Help us to remain faithful to you always. We pray that you would bless us as we go into our individual lives, that you would help us to be a good example for those around us, help us to lead others in the right direction, and we pray that you would forgive us for our sins. Thank you for your son, for his sacrifice for us, for all that he means to us, and it is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. 
We're going to go back to the text that we are looking at, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll read through verses 1 through 7, and then we'll go back and discuss maybe a little bit of what we have already discussed and get into our subject for today. 1 Timothy 3, beginning with verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop, then, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest, being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. We have looked at the first seven qualifications of an elder, that he must desire the position or office, or at least uh, it is good if he desires the position or office. Uh, We certainly wouldn't want someone to serve who doesn't want to be there. There are many dangers that could be had in in a leader that is not willing to lead, that is serving out of necessity because he has been appointed. I I think it's something that we should consider. Uh, And in many ways, I know that in my own background, as we have discussed before, there have been times where i had no desire to have any kind of leadership in, in the church because of how elders have been treated, and particularly my grandfather, who was also an elder in the church. But it is good. It is a good position. It is a good work. And we men, we should desire to be leaders. If we have those qualifications, it is a good thing for us. Uh, That he must be blameless or without or above reproach. Not that he be perfect, but that he be innocent uh, in most respects. Now, there may be uh, situations where an elder is guilty. And depending on the seriousness of the situation, uh, he may still be able to serve. It may be a better idea for him not to serve from that point on. But an elder should be blameless. We're not looking at perfection, but we don't want to think of of a leader in the church of being guilty of some some terrible crime or or even something just against the church. Um, But he must be blameless. He must be the husband of one wife. This would rule out wives, obviously. This would rule out men who have more than one wife. Um, he must be the, the husband of one wife, a one woman man, if you will. 
He must be temperate, otherwise uh, referred to in different translations as vigilant or self-controlled. He must be able to control himself, to control his physical body, his emotions, his desires to the highest degree. One who is not in control does not need to be serving as a leader in the church. Excuse me. He must be sober-minded, otherwise referred to as sober or prudent, not excitable or passionate, but self-restrained, self-thinking, acting with or showing care and thought for the future. He must be of good behavior, orderly, respectable, kind and considerate. Not only must he be wise and self-restrained in himself, but his outward being must in all respects correspond to his inner life. And that is a quote from J.W. Shepard. He must be hospitable or given to hospitality. He must be kind toward others, uh, willing to entertain strangers at any opportunity, must be kind to those who are foreign to to his surroundings, to those that that he comes in contact with uh, on a regular basis. This is viewed as a Christian virtue, and an elder is going to be an example of good Christian values and virtues that, that all Christians should exhibit in their lives. And so as we look at hospitality, We certainly see that within an elder of the church. He must also be hospitable, as all Christians should be. And I believe we got to point number eight, to qualification number eight, that he must be able to teach or apt to teach, as the King James puts it. Titus 1 and verse 9 says this. Titus 1 and verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. As we look at Titus 1, we see this listing of qualifications given here as well, although the wording is a little bit different. Um, the qualifications are basically the same. And it just so happens that that verse 9 brings out a little bit more detail in regard to how he must be able to teach. He must be able to teach the truth. And in order to teach, he must have a working knowledge of the Word of God. I know as I was growing up, most of our elders uh, had at least a quarter in which they would teach the adult class, and and I was privileged to be able to sit at their feet. Uh, My grandfather was one of those, and and, uh, a couple of others that that were willing to do so, but all elders need to be able to to teach in some way, and if he's not able to teach, uh, certainly that is, uh, that would be a hindrance to an elder. Um, 
as he is able to teach, I think it's a, a, a good thing for elders to be able to teach classes within the congregation just so that the members know that they can go to these men and they can ask them questions about the Bible, um, but they certainly must be able to teach. I remember my grandfather saying that uh, in regard to his own teaching of Bible classes, that he learned so much more as a teacher than he did as a student, simply because when he was preparing for that class, he had to be prepared for any and all questions. And I know that that from a personal standpoint, as I have stood in front of others and and taught classes, that that I prepare myself a little more in depth than I would otherwise for a class because I know that questions are going to be asked. And I know that I need to know how to answer those questions. Uh, Some of the, the more difficult classes that I've had are those within the School of Preaching here in um, Middle Middle Tennessee. uh, I'm a part of the Middle Tennessee School of Preaching. I graduated from that school in 2010, and I've continued in that school as uh, not only a participant, but also as a teacher. And some of my most difficult classes are those on Tuesday nights, because those that are present, are there to learn. They're not there because they feel a need to be there. They're there because they want to be there, because they want to study God's Word. And I know they're going to ask questions. And I know that I need to be ready to answer those questions. So uh, as far as a teacher is concerned, he needs to have a working knowledge of the Word of God. And some of that's going to be gained by teaching classes by just presenting himself as for this opportunity to teach these classes. But he, he must have a deeper knowledge of the Bible than just a, a, an average Christian. And that's another thing that, that qualifies him as an elder. He needs to have a deeper knowledge of the Word. And so that's that's contained in this idea that he must be able to teach. And he must not veer. He must never veer from the truth. Should he veer from the truth, he is no longer qualified to lead the church. So we must make sure that our leaders are well versed in scripture, that they're not going to lead us astray. And and it may be, it may be that we find in a congregation, an elder that is teaching, that is not teaching the truth. And we must be aware of that too. So as Christians, we must have a a deeper knowledge. Certainly we understand that we are to mature in our Christianity, and, and that includes our knowledge of the Bible. So we must study the Bible as well, but most certainly elders. They need to have a deep working knowledge of the truth so that they can present the truth in all um, all of its truth <laughs> and all of its actuality and everything that God wants it to be and wants to be presented to his people. Elders are, they are able to do that. He needs to be able to teach those who are lost. 
what they must do to be saved. I mentioned that my grandfather was an elder in the church, and and uh, I believe he was an elder uh, before my mother married my father. My father was not a member of the church. He was a member of a denomination, and um, he, um, as he began seeing my mother and, and talking to her, uh, they there were some issues that came up uh, in their religious beliefs. And my my father ended up studying with my grandfather, who was an elder in the church. And my grandfather taught him a great many things about what the church is and about why uh, the churches of Christ are the church that, that, that is found in the Bible, that we can read about in the Bible. And my dad obeyed the gospel because of, at least partly because of the teachings of my grandfather and so um, as I look at elders I, I certainly see a, a, a great deal in my grandfather and he has passed on from this life uh, but he did set a good example for me and I, I can see a lot of uh, great resources and and just looking at his life and the things that he was able to do uh, he certainly was qualified to be an elder and um, he was a, a very strong elder and a very strong influence in my life. Uh, but again, he needs to be able to teach those who are lost what they must do to be saved. Uh, as far as, as someone coming into a congregation is concerned, they need to be able to go to the elders. They need to be able to, to talk to them about, about what is necessary for their salvation, for their faithfulness. Uh, and an elder needs to know all those things. He must be able to teach all those things. He must be able to stand against error should the need arise. Uh, I mentioned before that he should never veer away from the truth. But he also must be able to stand against those who do teach error. To those who contradict, so to speak. Second Timothy Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. He must be able to stand for the truth. He must be an advocate of the truth. And for those who would come speaking anything other than the truth, and he needs to be able to teach them. He needs to be able to turn them away from their error if they are willing to turn from it. And if not, then he needs to be able to, to take the, the proper measures in order to make sure that they do not lead the congregation astray from the truth. The elders are so important to a congregation, and we should never downplay their importance. 
Qualification number nine. He is not given to wine. Just looking at some other translations, the American Standard Version says, No brawler. He is no brawler. And the New American Standard Bible says that he is not addicted to wine or pugnacious, which is is maybe a better rendering of what the qualification actually is, uh, at least in our wording in the English, uh, just putting it in a very literal stance, uh, sense, uh, a good way for us to understand this, that he is not addicted to wine. This is also found in Titus chapter 1 and verse 7, as well as 1 Timothy 3 and verse 3. And basically the idea that is presented in this qualification is that he is not quarrelsome over a desire for wine and not quarrelsome, period. Remember that an elder, a leader in the church, needs to be in control of himself at all times. And so he doesn't quarrel over this desire for alcohol. He shouldn't desire it. Uh, it should not be something that, that rules his life. And, and thus, he is not given to wine. He is always in self-control. Now, there's a, a lot that is put into this qualification and maybe um, sometimes a little too much. We need to be careful not to hold someone to standards that the Bible does not hold them to. We know that wine in and of itself uh, can have good purpose. It can have uh, good reason. Just looking at the fact that Timothy was told to use a little wine for his stomach's sake. Uh, some of it can be for a, a health reason. It may be used for a health reason. And I also look at it from the other side of it, too. There was a reason that Timothy himself was not using wine and that Paul had to tell him to use it. He was avoiding it. But to hold someone to the standard of complete omission of it from uh, use, uh, there are things that we use alcohol for today as far as medication and things of that nature are concerned. But it should not be used for the purpose of getting drunk. Drunkenness is condemned as a sin and something that will keep us from an eternity in heaven. And likewise, as we look at an elder, he is not given to wine. He is not addicted to it. He is not addicted to any substance, for that matter, that would influence his faculties, that would influence his mind and and keep him from being in self-control. But he is not given to wine. That is not something that he is addicted to. And it is something that he should avoid. And and for the, the example that it sets as well, making sure that he's not setting a, a wrong example for those who, who may be easily led astray. Number 10, he is not violent. He is no striker, is the way that the King James puts it. 
And again, this um, term pugnacious is used uh, in the NASB. But he is not violent. He is again in self-control. And in that way, it really goes hand in hand with the previous qualification that he is not given to wine. Um, he is not going to be violent. He's not going to be quarrelsome, um, not physically and not even in a mental sense. But he is going to turn away from anything that is going to, to take that control of his mind and body away from him. And number 11, he is not greedy for money. Not greedy of filthy lucre, is the way the King James puts it. And he is free from the love of money. New American Standard. This is also found in Titus chapter 1 and verse 7. It seems to be similar, if not the same, to covetousness, which is not included in translations such as the American Standard or the New American Standard, um, but not greedy for money, not covetous. He, he shouldn't have that within him. He, he shouldn't be in an eldership. He should not be in leading the church for dishonest gain for any reason. And so we need to make sure that, that our elders are, are not greedy for money. Certainly we see in, in many different churches, maybe more so in denominations, just because of the way that they are structured. They're not structured according to God's will. And so they face uh, conflict. They face situations that the Lord's church would, would maybe not face to the same degree that they do because of the way that they are structured. But especially in denominations when you have one person that is leading the church. Covetousness has led many preachers away from the truth, from, from practicing the truth of God's word. They may teach good things. Their teachings may be right in line with God's word. But because of their greediness, maybe they have embezzled from uh, the church and, and taken money that was not theirs. Elders can't be of that type of attitude, and we need to make sure that our elders are not greedy for money, that, that they don't have a desire to be rich necessarily, that they're not in it for dishonest gain. They need to be properly qualified in that respect. We're out of time, and we still have a few qualifications to go. So like I said, maybe we'll be able to do this next week, uh, but at the same time, don't really expect it. Um, but if not, then we'll pick up with this in a, a couple of weeks from now. But I, I hope this is helpful to your understanding of the qualifications of elders and to an understanding of the structure of the church and, and how it is scripturally organized. And I hope that you see these things in the congregation that you worship with. But if not, then then certainly... I would encourage you to, to study and, and search for a congregation that is faithful to God's word. I, I thank you for joining me for this study. And if you do have any questions, if you would like to contact us for any reason, 
Um, the best way is to go to our website, marshillcoc.org. And you can send us an email, a message from that website. You can call us. You can leave us a message in the office, and we'll be glad to get back to you. You can send us a letter. But we would love for you to, to contact us, and, and certainly we would love to hear from you. I, I thank you for being with me today. If we're, we're able to do this again next week, Tuesday at 11 a.m., then I hope that you would join us. Um, otherwise, um, I, I hope to, to be back with you in a couple of weeks, if not next week. But I thank you for being with me today. Thank you for listening, and thank you for studying with me. I, I do hope you have a blessed week, and until we meet again, may God continue to bless you. Without the blessed song, Christ is